Welcome to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Our focus is the novel coronavirus. I'm Josh Sharfstein, a faculty member at Johns Hopkins and also a former secretary of Maryland's Health Department. Our goal with this podcast is to bring evidence and experts to help you understand today's news about the novel coronavirus and what it means for tomorrow. If you have questions, you can email them to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, I speak with Matt Hornbeck, principal of Hampstead Hill Elementary Middle School in Baltimore City, about the challenge of education in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Principal Hornbeck provides nightly updates for parents, has raised thousands of dollars for grocery gift cards, and relies on teachers and other staff who themselves are home with multiple children. Let's listen. Principal Hornbeck, thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell us a little bit about Hampstead Hill Academy? Sure. Thank you, Dr. Sharfstein. Hampstead Hill Academy is a pre-K through eighth grade school in southeast Baltimore City, serving 859 students in grades pre-K through eight. We are um, demographically about 40% Hispanic, 40% white, 20% African-American, and we have about a 65% free lunch student population and about 100 staff members uh, supporting and providing for those students and their families. Now, I know I've read about your school in the paper because you've gotten some academic awards. Is that right? Uh, we have. We're, we're the number one performing school in the city for the second year in a row, and um, that's due to a lot of great work. But I have to be honest that there's great work happening in every school all over the city, and um, we're uh, excited to be a part of that. And you've been at Hampstead Hill for how long? I'm finishing my 17th year. Wow. And it's really, it's really been my life's work, and uh, it's a great blend of policy and practice. So in those 17 years, you haven't seen anything like the coronavirus pandemic? No, gosh. I mean, this is uh, the word everyone's using is unprecedented, but it's, um, it's just a mess. It's a mess for teachers and students. It's a mess for parents. It's just uh, from instruction to trauma to how we're going to move on. Everybody's just... Um, really working hard to figure it out, but it's, it's been a very difficult six weeks. So let's take me back to the beginning. What happened on that first day? So Thursday, March 12th, the night that the governor issued a shelter-in-place order, we found out at the same time everyone else did, and um, we were in school the next day, and in a sort of panicked way, got as many packets, learning packets out to kids as we could, and then spent uh, the first few weeks getting um, Chromebooks distributed and figuring out safe protocols on how to do that. And our staff really stepped up and we put together a hardest to reach list so that we could. What's a hardest to reach list? The hardest to reach list is the kids that, that haven't connected, that we haven't been in touch with. And uh, we've whittled that down at this stage to about 55 of our 859 kids. And um, we just haven't heard from them. We don't know where they are. We don't know what they're doing. and. Uh, what do you do to find them? So we're, we're comparing phone numbers that we've had. We're, ta- we're trying to figure out if any of their siblings are connected. Um, even if they were former HHA students and are now in high school, we're, we're talking to the various staff at school who might have interacted with them. And uh, we're, we're doing a pretty good job on that, but um, very difficult. And if I may, there, there are three things that are prerequisites for online learning. And uh, one is uh, having a device a laptop or a, or a tablet, and two is having a Wi-Fi connection, which is can be very challenging um, in Baltimore City. 
And then three is um, uh, this uh, having a parent, an advocate, someone who can help you figure it out. And um, that's tough. So on a regular day, the kids are in school, they're right with one yeah. teacher, they go to another room, they got another teacher. What does it look like now for them in your school now that they're home? And let's say they do have a laptop and an internet connection. So it doesn't look anything like school used to look. I mean, it's hard to even call this school. We're doing instructional videos. We're doing coach class. Kids can log on in a live setting and, and ask questions of their teacher. We're doing some social emotional online Zoom calls with uh, middle school students and, and elementary school students. But it's really, uh, we have provided sample schedules to parents, but um, there's a lot that is um, left to the parent and to the household. And you know, people have lost their jobs and um, struggled even before this pandemic. And uh, now it's just really exacerbated and magnified all the challenges that the schools face. So you're, you're kind of counting on the parents to do the lessons and submit the work for the kids. It's not like the kids are going from 9 to 10 to one Zoom class and 10 to 11 to another Zoom class. Is that right? Correct. I mean, if you can imagine 25 kids in a class, they, won't, they, they can't all show up at, live with the teacher at 8 and then just go to their next class. That's just... I mean, I don't know of any school that's doing that and doing it with large numbers of kids successfully. It's more about recording lessons and then uh, turning in assignments. And some of the older kids can do that in a more independent fashion. But as you can imagine, the five and six-year-olds really require a lot of support. Yeah. Uh, so It must be really hard for the kids because I'm sure they come to love their teachers and it's oh. sort of midway through the year and now they don't have them. I mean, what's well, that like? All of us remember, you know, a teacher from elementary school and kind of these teachers are, are larger than life figures in the lives of these children from a social emotional perspective, from a I want my teacher to be proud of me perspective. And they um, to have that ripped away so suddenly um, and that structure, not only their friendships with the peers and their classmates, but the teacher um, has, you know, seven hours a day with students. And it's, it's been very, very difficult. It's difficult on teachers as well. They're um, struggling to, I mean, the, the work and what they signed up for is nothing like what this is. They're not with their students physically. So it's, it's very tough. Do you, find yourself, do you find yourself having to counsel the teachers? They must feel a sense of loss. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're a restorative practices school. And so we're doing a lot of uh, self-care and self-reflection work. And um, they are struggling, just like everyone. Tell me about the social needs of the parents. You said some of them were losing their jobs. What is, how does that affect your new job of, as the principal of a school with no students in it? So um, I think that the, the parents are, in many cases, are struggling because they've lost jobs. Childcare is uh, not available except for essential workers. So if you do work, and you have a, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and an eight-year-old, it's, it's very difficult to stay on a schedule and to get the work done. And they're worried about the future, and they're worried about whether the kids will, will learn everything they need to learn to be successful in the next grade. And, and then, uh, you know, the kids in eighth grade are worried about, is high school going to start? I'm sure the kids in 12th grade are worried about, is college going to start? Or is my job going to start? We No one knows right now. I mean, everyone's taking their lead from the uh, healthcare professionals, but it's been um, very difficult on parents. I have a weekly call with parents, uh, what we call chat with Matt, and between 50 and 90 parents uh, get on a Zoom call with me, and uh, we just talk, and 
What do they ask? Hey, What's on their mind? Yeah, they're uh, everything from what is what is how are we going to look at grading to promotion, and then um, we're giving doing announcements on food distribution and um, how people can can give to our own efforts at fundraising around food and technology needs that our families have. I guess the number one question is how can my kid connect with his or her teacher in any fashion like they used to at school? You know, they. I think their sense of loss is is sinking in, and uh, they they see their kids, you know, inside for much of the day and and not with their friends and not able to to engage with the teacher, and so it's it's been very difficult. And we're doing things like teachers are recording videos of themselves reading children's books, and we're doing various social emotional Zoom experiences where. Uh, we can do some mindfulness practices, circle-like questions online, and then some some truly instructional opportunities where kids can uh, dial in to ask questions uh, about the lessons themselves. Oh, I mean, I, I can really sense the frustration in your voice. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, uh, as I said, we're trying to play the long game so that in 18 months when we're back and hopefully settled, we're going to be able to... Um, begin to understand what we've all been through, because I think that there's trauma on so many levels for staff and students and families that is not, you go back and forth between feeling things are normal. I mean, before the call, you and I were saying that, that the weekends can feel slightly normal and they're just not, you know, like, as, as we said, they're, it's just, it's just not, nothing's normal right now. And um, it is a, a weight that adults feel and a weight that, that then kids feel. Well, you've got to also feel that the work that you've done for so many years and the relationships that your staff has with the students is going to be a source of support for them to help them get through this. It does. uh, Our school community is very tight-knit, and um, uh, we do have an extraordinary staff, and there is a so-called distributed leadership model we have at school where there are lots and lots of leaders. And so I'm really proud to be part of that community and proud to be, you know, I grew up in Baltimore and Baltimore schools are doing great work all over the place. So um, it's, a, it's a good thing to be able to contribute and help, but it's an awful thing to experience and to go through. Well, I really appreciate your, your joining me. If somebody who's listening wanted to contribute to your efforts, is there mm-hmm. a way for them to do that? Yes, uh, thanks so much. Um, if you go to www.hha47.org, there's a donate button on our website. And it'll walk you through it. And 100% of the donation goes to food for uh, Baltimore City students. So thanks so much, Josh. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for spending some time today with me, Matt. Take care. Thank you for listening to Public Health on Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharfstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamare Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen-McCusker and Spencer Greer, with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.